What's poppin' Cake Nation, and thanks for tuning in to the Chemistry Cake online podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and today I will be introducing a new miniseries called The F Word. <gasps> but Cake, I thought this was a PG podcast. And you would be correct. This is a PG podcast. So, what is the F word I am referring to? Well, if you recall from a couple weeks ago on Cake's Top 10 Pipetter Tips, I went over a non-exhaustive list of things I learned during my first year of graduate school that I wanted to pass on to you. However, there was one huge thing that I learned but made no mention of in that episode because it is going to be the focus of this miniseries. I'm sure y'all have caught on that this word starts with the letter F, and that is the letter of the day. So are you ready for it? The focus of this miniseries is failure. Failure! Ah, yes! Forgive me for making many of you wince in your seats, but I think that this is a very important topic. So what's, what's the big deal about failure? What even is failure, right? According to an online dictionary, failure is defined as the lack of success. Ouch, that, that bites. Okay, uh, another definition describes failure as the omission of expected or required action. Okay, sure. Uh, Wikipedia says that failure is the state or condition of not meeting a desirable or intended objective and may be viewed as the opposite of success. These are all pretty hard-hitting definitions. And quite frankly, I think failure is subjective, because in my opinion, failure can only be defined relative to how we define success. And success looks very different from individual to individual. And so this miniseries aims to explore the many facets of failure and how we can better approach it. So, Cake, has there ever been a time that you have failed? Oh, heck yeah. Many times, in fact. Uh, uh, Here's a story for you. It's story time, Cake Nation. There was this one time when I was a third year at the university as an undergraduate. Uh, I was taking the Advanced Organic Synthesis Lab. And, as a brief aside, I now TA for this course, because, you know, I loved it so much. But in any case, I will not deny that this class really stretched my ability to think on my feet during the lab period. Like, this class made me think about why things did not work. Um, There's a nice word for that, actually. We call that troubleshooting. And um, I use it often to help reframe my students' perceptions of things not working in the lab. Okay, so things often (laughs) did not work for me in that lab. Like, it took me a hot minute to figure out the swing of things and finally get my footing in the class. Um, And in theory, I knew what should happen. Uh, But I learned very quickly that in practice, things don't always go as planned. Uh, There was was one particular experiment that I was really having trouble with. Um, It was the synthesis of phenylacetylene from mesostilbene dibromide. For context, uh, this was the fifth synthetic step of our fourth experiment, and we had just finished about 12 syntheses prior to this one. So 
it was about that time of the term that I was really tired because I had just finished, you know, the second wave of midterms. Um, and additionally, I was very behind in this lab, you know, at least by my standards, because a different experiment really set me back no matter how I approached it. Um, so this synthesis is one that you kind of have to watch out for because there is a temperature sensitivity. But, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, the reaction requires that the temperature be at least 175 degrees Celsius, but should not go above 195 degrees Celsius, otherwise the product will decompose. Um, so, you know, it, it seems like a pretty straightforward task, right? Mesostilbene dibromide, potassium hydroxide, solvent, watch your temperature like a hawk, boom, phenylacetylene. You know, so I add the base to my starting reagent, grab a solvent bottle, crank up the temperature, and I'm watching my thermometer like a hawk. But after waiting a while, uh, something didn't seem quite right. Right? One of my classmates who needed the solvent started calling for it. And another classmate called back saying that they have it. And upon observing this interaction, I noticed that a funny-shaped bottle made its way around the laboratory and that it was not the same bottle shape that I used. So, you know, just a little panicked, I sped over to the reagent bench and looked at the bottle that I used. For context, the solvent needed for this reaction is triethylene glycol. And I immediately realized, in my exhausted haste, I grabbed the ethylene glycol solvent bottle instead. Um, and then my TA called 30 minutes remaining in lab, so I stopped my reaction, stored it safely, cleaned my glassware, and then left the lab to go to lecture for this class. And who was waiting for me as I walked into the lecture hall but the professor who smiled and nodded at me and asked, how did things go in lab? And let me tell you, I have never been more embarrassed to tell anyone how I was doing in my life. Like, my professor immediately noticed my demeanor wasn't my typical sunny disposition. Dr. Bob, I said, I... I effed up, like, very badly. And he said, well, what, what, what did you do? And I say, well, uh, <clears throat> I, I used ethylene glycol instead of triethylene glycol, and now I'm afraid I've messed up again, and I'm already so behind, there is no way I'm going to get caught up in this lab. Then he you know, scratches his head and says, do you know what the boiling point is of ethylene glycol? Uh, like 195 centigrade, I reply. And he says, do you know what the boiling point is of triethylene glycol? And I was like, uh, like around 300 degrees Celsius. Why? And then he nodded very solemnly, very seriously. Like, I, I couldn't really read his face. And... Then he said, take a seat, class is about to begin. So I sullenly plopped into my seat, like frantically trying to hide my face in desperate attempts to prevent my eyeballs from leaking. 
And then he starts class by asking if anyone had any questions, if there was any trouble in lab, per usual. And then he began by saying, So, before I begin lecture today, one of your classmates, uh-oh, came up to me rather distressed. Cue cake sinking farther into her seat. And, he continues, she says to me, Dr. Bob, I really screwed up. And I asked her, well, what'd you do? And she said that she used ethylene glycol instead of triethylene glycol. A hush falls over the entire lecture hall. It's like you could hear a pin drop. Now, he continues, I then asked this classmate of yours if she knew the boiling point of triethylene glycol. And she says, eh, about 300 centigrade. And then I asked her of ethylene glycol. Eh, 195 centigrade, she says. Class. Did she screw up this experiment? Anyways, for a response. And there were a few scattered nods throughout the lecture hall. Pretty confident nods, actually. Um, and I have never been so humiliated in my life. At this point, I, just, I was just about getting ready to up and leave the lecture hall. Those of you nodding your heads, he continued, you would be incorrect. She, in fact, did not screw up this experiment. In fact, she may have just found a more efficient way of doing the synthesis. You see, ladies and gentlemen, he pauses. This re reaction requires you to monitor your reaction between a very small range of temperatures, which means you can't leave to do other things. If I were your classmate, if I were a little more curious and put two and two together, I would have used ethylene glycol and reflex the reaction since the boiling point of the solvent just so happens to be around the temperature you should not go past. So you can leave your reaction since the reaction won't go higher than the boiling point of your solvent. So you can do other things if you just so happen to be behind. And then he looked over it at me, grinned, and began the lecture. Folks, I've Gotta tell you, what an emotional roller coaster that was for me. I genuinely thought I was going to fail that class, and I sure as heck thought I was a disappointment to this professor that I respected so much. And yet, what I thought was this royal failure ended up being a very happy accident. Sometimes, what we believe to be failures end up being innovative breakthroughs that allow the boundaries of our knowledge to expand and grow. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes these so-called failures lead to dead ends, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the work was in vain and all was pointless. In fact, Guys and gals and non-binary pals, I would argue that as trailblazers, finding the dead ends means you've found which routes not to take, i.e. all the things you've tried that didn't seem to work, that can serve well for others who decide they want to traverse the same or similar path. So the goal of this miniseries is to redefine failure and to get you excited about it but not before addressing some concerns you may have. 
or some implications that are associated with failure. So make sure to stay tuned for that. With that being said, thank you for joining me today, Cake Nation. It is always a pleasure to have you. Just a quick plug that you can follow me on Twitter at ChemistryCake if you are not already partaking in the hype. This is your friendly reminder to stay hydrated, keep the hype alive, and to edify your village. Thanks for tuning in. This is Chemistry Cake, signing off.